0: Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today I'm talking with Bob Shedd, who you may know as one of the co-hosts of Axe to Grind, the hardcore podcast. I had a great chat with Bob a while back about Rival Schools' 2001 album, United by Fate. Before we get into that, I also just wanted to mention on a recent episode of Axe to Grind, I believe it was titled Rock the Vote or Don't. I would highly suggest checking it out. It was really great. Just kind of say that Axe Grind is, you know, known as being like a hardcore podcast, but it's really great to kind of like hear them going into, you know, I guess we'll say like political or social justice territory, you know, and really going deep into it. It's really important, honestly, just to say it shortly. I would highly suggest... Checking your registration if it's not too late. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this before the election of 2020, just can't stress that enough. Just to kind of speak plainly, I don't think our country can take four more years of Trump or should. Uh, while the options otherwise might not be the best, it's definitely is better. So vote and get involved with local politics. Find out who your county commissioners are. Vote for those mayor seats. You know, whatever's kind of coming up in this election, definitely important. It's important that we flip the Senate. It's important that we get people like Mitch McConnell out. Activism doesn't stop with voting for the president. You know, I would say that doesn't really do much. Like Local communities going to protests are really where it's going to be at. So vote, please. Very important. Please vote. You may be listening to us after the election. And in that case, from the future, I hope we made the right decisions or just pushed us toward hopefully a better society that doesn't involve a piece of shit like Trump. All right, well, on to that. It was an honor to talk to Bob. Um, You know, we had a lot of great tangents, a great conversation, as you can see. Um, this is a little bit longer of an episode, but, you know, I enjoyed every minute of it. So, uh, Bob Shedd.
1: Are you stuck at home and need new records, but it doesn't feel safe to venture out? Or you don't want to support big box stores? Go to lunchboxrecords.com for the best new releases and a whole lot more. If you live in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can do safe pickup, but if you live elsewhere in the United States, they'd be happy to ship to you. Let's take a look. I can pre-order DaBaby, Mountain Goats, Mets, and maybe even that new All Right LP. At checkout, just enter discount code Out for 10% off. Come on, you love new music, so trust me, it's easy
0: sometimes with listening to, Ash to Grind, it's like it's like I appreciate that it's like, yeah okay, I don't know if you listen to like w t f with like Mark Barron or any sort of interview podcast, you know where it's like sure. you know go through like oh what do you do, and all that stuff, and it sets it up and but you know, like sometimes I'm like. I know I don't want that at Axe but I'm like, I don't know what like Bob does.
2: Oh, what <sighs> I do just like who? Oh, yeah. That's, and it's like, that's really it's really funny.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, maybe that's purposely not stated. Like it's sort of like, you don't <laughs> really think it's something you want to discuss. So if it isn't, then yeah,
2: no, no, no. I love, I love the way you ease this and I hope you leave all that in. Um, what do I do? Okay. So it's not intentional. I thought you were going a different way with that question too, which I, which would have been really fun. Um, which I'll put kind of will pin. But, uh, what I do, I, <clears throat> so a lot of people do know that I worked at revelation records for a while, yeah. 15 years ago. Uh, before that I worked in band merchandising. Um, I worked for a screen printing shop when I was 18, 20 years ago now, um, did a lot of hardcore bands, et cetera. Uh, and then, when I moved, I moved to California at 21 and I ended up working for a company called Band Merch who Mm -hmm. was owned by Lincoln Park at the time, um, which was really funny and fun. And so there'd be times when it was like, hey guys, um," you know, I get the email that's like important all company, all staff meeting, uh, two o'clock in the meeting room, please ensure that you're on time and all employees are accounted for, thank you so much. And it was that kind of like, oh shit, is everyone getting laid off or what? And it was like, guys, um, we are debuting for you privately. Please don't speak about this. But we wanted to be a little treat. Here's the new music video for Lincoln Park, Meteora or whatever it was. And I was like, good lord, like all right. <laughs> so, um, so that's that's like my ancient history. Um, and then I went to school uh, to be an English major and da da da. Um, Fast forward through a couple boring jobs where I worked in insurance and sales. Um, I still do some freelance merchandising stuff. I work with a few bands helping them out. Um, the last gig I had, I, I owned a small store in Asbury Park for a year or two with a friend um, about six or seven years ago that did like handmade and vintage goods. It was fun, but uh, ultimately, in, in that market, not, not great at the time. Um, I did a, I was an adjunct professor at NYU, uh, with my friend Tony Retman doing a grad level course, um, on hardcore, looking at, uh, American hardcore as a folk art essentially. That, That was pretty amazing. Um, and yeah, so basically I do a lot of little gig stuff right now, because my full-time job is being a dad my my significant other works a job that until the pandemic was probably 65 to 70 percent travel yeah so she was having crazy travel stuff and when we relocated we moved from outside of pennsylvania to the jersey shore you know the town i grew up in all that um We had a conversation that was essentially like, hey, this job, she had just taken a new job that was based out of New York, but was home-based work. But she also knew she was going to be traveling a lot. And it was like, hey, I know that my job is going to be kind of crazy. And there's going to be times where it's like, it's a Friday. I have to leave for Switzerland on Sunday evening. Hmm. And then I won't be home all week. So it's kind of, yeah, it's sort of like my job was... I have to be available and flexible to be full-time solo dad. Um, so that's what, that's kind of what I do. And there's a lot of little things that I will kind of leave off the table here, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll say gig economy worker.
0: Yeah. Outside of the uh, parts that definitely, I don't want to say it cause it sounds like it starts becoming like a class thing, but like, I feel I felt like I was like, I was like, I was like, that sounds to be like, I'm an English major. you know, I worked, well, I worked in finance, um, you know, and so, and then kind of after that, because there was a, there was basically a point where, like, I don't want this to become like, uh, where I talk about my band podcast all the time. No, but please do. Yeah. But like, there was a point where we were like, we should tour more. And so, you know, I quit that fairly steady job, but job that wasn't going anywhere to tour more. And then, so yes, then it becomes conversations of, I did this and this and that. Right, like
2: this piecemeal career. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's interesting. I, I think about it a lot, but it doesn't doesn't come up too often on Axe to Grind to go into it. And uh, I think a funny personality trait of mine that, that drives some people, including those very close to me, crazy is that I'm a willing sharer. Like if you want to know what I ate for breakfast and what time I went to the bathroom, we can talk about that. I don't care. I'm not embarrassed. There's nothing to hide. But I, if you don't ask me, I don't always just offer it up. So, uh, <laughs> so, so that's, it just doesn't come up that often, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting path. I've certainly had jobs where they had no idea that I was involved in music or even liked music. You know, yeah. uh, when I worked in insurance, it was really funny because the first time I started there was I was working in, <laughs> this is a funny story. Um, I was working, I'm we had relocated to San Antonio, Texas, just to kind of check things out. Uh, Amanda had gotten a job down at uh, UT San Antonio, um, doing kind of research stuff, et cetera. But I was like, oh, pfft, I need to get a job. Um, I knew one person from San Antonio, really. I knew a few, but one, and it was the singer of the band Bitter End, Daniel. Okay. Um And I basically reached out to him cold and was like, Hey man, what's up? Just moved to San Antonio. I know you're from here. Where should I get a job? And he recommended this company to me that was pretty big and ended up working there for a year or two. They, they called me Robert because that's what my name is, you know? And it was like, I wasn't gonna be like, Hey, no, no, no. You can call me Bob. You know, it was just like Robert. And it was sort of really funny to me. Like they had no, you know, I was somewhat anonymous there but I did well. And, and then I worked a job, came back and was working in that same industry, broadly speaking in New Jersey. And I ended up being pretty close, like friends with a couple of the guys I worked with, but they, they weren't music guys. They were like normal, normal dudes. And like, so eventually they kind of put it together. Cause it'd be like, Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm putting on this show or I'm, you know, booking this band or doing this. And they're like, man, you do a lot of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's cool. And I was actually at a like pretty low key time for me, not, not to be weird, but like, there's been years and years where I just don't, you know, it's like I wasn't booking shows. I was trying to pay off student loans. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it was always interesting to me. And you probably can relate to this as someone, if you were working in finance, you probably had some people like this, but the one friend, like he was such a sweetheart, but he's like, I just don't have any passions. He's like, I just don't, he's like, I wish I had some interests. Um, cause I think at the time, you know, I was still doing shows here and there. And, um, I was also doing this little, uh, like vintage clothing thing and like vintage sports gear. I shouldn't say it's like vintage clothing. It wasn't like I was buying pre-war Levi's. I was buying like cool t-shirts from the eighties. Um, and you know, um, Amanda was doing like, uh, she was making these handmade, um, planters that we you know we'd just go sell and she was selling it like the Brooklyn Bazaar and different things and so we had all this stuff going on and he was like man I I don't know I I just like and he he cited it down he's like I like craft beer and tv and that's it and he was like he it was a weird moment because I didn't know what to say to the dude I'm like yeah I don't know maybe you should get more hobbies you know I don't know um but it's 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 always interesting when you step outside of the like subculture world yeah and realize how small people's people's purview and people's interest sets can be
0: doesn't Uh, that seem nice sometimes though like i wish that i could i wish i've done like i mean not that it matters to anyone that will be listening to this but like you can look behind me like this office is years worth of a label you know and you know it's like it's filled you know it's like this yeah. is that's a hobby and it's like on my resume you
2: yeah, know, because
0: yeah. it's like something that appears to be a job you know sure. but it's like I don't know if I have the capacity even if like like if being in a band which it's not really a real thing right now uh, right. but if it were like taking completely away it's like I know I'd be the type of person that it's like something else would take its place and that's like weird i mean that might i mean we might be talking about like addictions here you
2: know so no i mean so that's you're, you're not wrong it's uh it's like a fixating personality uh, my father who struggled with addiction is a hard word but but it is he struggled with it um but he managed it really well most of his life but I remember there was a time in my, my later teens, I think I'd already moved out. I was 19, maybe 20. And uh, I saw him and he was not, he was not in a good space, but he said to me, he's like, I'm so glad that you don't do any of this stuff, you know? And it was like, it's like one of those moments I'm a 38 year old. I'm not going to sit here and like opine about straight edge, but it was like this cool thing. Cause he said, you know, I have a very addictive personality and he's like, and I could tell that you do too, you know? And it was like, I didn't get into comic books casually. It was like I got into comic books and it's like, okay, I need to have every issue of X-Men. I need to read every issue. I need to I need to know every story. And like I can probably still photo recall like if you show me a cover of a comic from the Mar- from Marvel from the 80s, 90s into the early 2000s, I could tell you what happens in it. You know, um, but boy if I didn't have these things going on and these interests and music and subculture and records and da, da da yeah, I mean, man, I'm I'm living under a bridge trying to get my yeah. next fix, you know?
0: Yeah, I I had a roommate one time that essentially like he lost his job and his he just didn't have anything to do all day. He played video games. So I mean, he played in a band with us, but he wasn't like a person that kind of like because he played in a band, he also did a zine or all the other things. He didn't really book anything. It yeah, was like right, yeah. he did this thing one day, and then it made me realize everything about him as a person. Like, he went and applied at a job, yeah, uh, back when you would actually need to still go to a place to do that. Put <laughs> in the application, yep, came back home, and then he is then he just waited to hear back from me. And oh, yeah. we were like. Are you gonna like do it again tomorrow, or like did you go other places? And he's like, "No, I put in an application." <laughs> and we were that's just how like, it works, right? <laughs> yeah, and we were just like, "I think that says everything we need to say about you as a person." Like it's like, and that's what it, sometimes when I think of like, and I guess I'll say normies, and I think it's like a it's it's not really a great term. Oh, great it's like. I feel like it's like when I worked in finance, I knew a guy and he would just go home and like watch a show. And I mean, I watch a lot of TV too. So, but it's like, there's these other threads and I don't think he had other threads. Like he didn't care even about politics or anything. And it was like, this is it with him.
2: (laughs) I, I, we, so it was like, essentially, you know, at, at the one job, we were like the three musketeers and, um, you know, the one guy was passionate about movies and passionate about politics. And by the way, I haven't talked to him in a while, but like he was a self-described Republican, but in that weird, like he was my age vaguely. I think his dad was really into Ronald Reagan and he kind of was that too. And, but, but he was super, you know, he was like working, working middle-class and, and, so we had really good conversations and it was it was always interesting. And then the third leg, he could rap with us about T V and movies, but anything out of that purview was rough on him. It was like, you know, and, and I actually I love those dudes. Like those were really close friends of mine for a while and um it just it was very interesting. Because it was, it always felt like, like, and the one dude, you know, who, who didn't have any other true passions, he did like sports. So that was another thing we talk about, but it was almost, you wonder about it and you go, this is just boilerplate life. Like that sucks.
0: Yeah. I, I worked construction with the guy when I was like 18 and I got a job installing garage doors. And I think luckily on the first day I showed up in a Guns N' Roses shirt. And that guy was like, you'll be on my team. And so (laughs) me and Roy were teamed up and I, I was like, I can just like bring CDs and the work truck. And he's like, yeah, sure. What do you want to listen to? And I gave uh, I just, it was a Pantera CD. It was like Pantera greatest hits. And he was like, we are best friends. (laughs) And uh, like, cause he grew up in the same town as Pantera and they were like his local band yeah and so me and roy listened to that greatest hits and this probably went on for like a week or two
2: yeah
0: when that was dried up there was nothing else between me and roy like it was then he was it would then it'd be like do you like disturbed do you like
1: and i was like (laughs) i can
0: bring this like whatever else like i can bring a lamb of god cd or something like you know that you know was kind of like reaching like i think you might like this if you like pantera and uh he was like no oh no (laughs) and you know that that was it it was just. so
2: it was a very it was a very thin diagram you guys met at pantera and parted ways at at pantera
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) life
2: is weird like that man because it's uh you know sometimes i appreciate that greatly because if you meet people you don't I don't really want to hang out with a carbon copy of myself. I really like myself and I really enjoy spending time alone, but if I were to meet someone who had the exact same taste to me, I'd be kind of bummed. And I, I think, you know, to loop it around, it's why the podcast works so well. It's why a lot of times people have been like you, you're friends with Patrick. And I was like, yeah, man, I, you know, we've been great friends for a long time now. And even Tom and me don't have the same musical taste, but we get on very well because it's sort of like um, this really reciprocal kind of like understanding that just because you don't like the same stuff doesn't mean you can't get along. But as you and Roy understood, it's not that you didn't get along. You just didn't have anything. And if you don't yeah. have anything, it's done. It's like, I, I bet we couldn't record those, those car rides and and release them as podcasts.
0: No, <laughs> that's, uh, it's just going to be a quick now you know, like he, we became mortal enemies after that. Really? Um, so yeah. when's the last time you saw him? Uh, I mean, well, this, this where, uh, You were, I, child, I started, you were young. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As you know, I am, well, I was 18 then. And so, you know, I'm doing that stupid bit where I'm trying not to disclose my age. Oh, but, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm Just, with it. So, uh, so
2: since you're 74 now, it was yeah. back in 55. Okay. So, yeah. um, without disclosing a number did was there a breaking point with you and roy
0: eisenhower okay uh well there was a point where um i mean it was basically it was like we were unloading uh, you know garage doors have like panels we are unloading one of the panels and i dropped my in um because and since he was like in his 40s at the time or just who knows whatever i dropped my end so essentially it one of his discs in his back just went <laughs> whoa it, you know so it was like and then yeah so he, he just hated me after that but it was like looking back i'm like i wouldn't have been happy that someone dropped the end but it's just an it's accident, accident you know? yeah <laughs> so, i mean
2: it was either an accident or we pivot and this is the name of the next hate breed record and it's called cripple your foes you know you were like all right roy keep making me listen to disturbed don't don't like my lamb of god cd all right let's see how you like a a slip disc
0: boom well it kind of it did seem now that i'm looking back it kind of did start to be like a uh it's like spy versus spy but like a passive aggressive kind of things that we did to each other um he did this thing where we had to weld um we had to weld like you know when you look at the back of a dock and they have those little pads for trucks for sure um this, yeah, so, so I'm saying this like I'm like a, you know, like a 57-year-old uh, dock worker. But like, you know, so imagine like a kid with like the kind of like hot topicy swoop hair, a lip sure. ring, and sure. like a sleeveless Metallica shirt just so I could sort of like fit in. Sure. You know, air quotes that yeah, people yeah, yeah. can't see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he He had the welding goggles, but he didn't let me have any welding goggles. And he told Dick me moved. just to look away. And and so you're not gonna get your welding
2: you're not gonna get your welding cert just looking away, I'll tell you that much.
0: Yeah, and so like I looked away, but you can't really do that. It's like there. Yeah. And so it was like, oh man, you know, whatever. And then I went I went home and I woke up in the middle of the night and was like just kind of felt like I couldn't open my eyes and uh and like so i went and kind of ran into the bathroom like stumbled to the bathroom and then turned on the bathroom light yeah then just fell to the ground because like the light of the bathroom just was too much yeah it was just like oh like you'd been like yeah and so then i was like i don't know what to do and this was um this was the early 90s so this was the advent of the cell phone and so I went to call, um, this wasn't the early nineties, but it was like the uh, it was
2: like the late, it was the early tens.
0: Yeah. And so right. I call I call I try and call on the cell phone and I, you know, can't like figure out numbers because I can't sure. really see. And then I try and call him and I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. But I end up like calling someone that knew my brother. <laughs> And right. they're like, they thought I was my brother playing a prank on them. Right. And there's no good way to like wrap up the story, but the point Please being is like we yet. just kind of did stuff back and forth. And then after that, I was like, I'm just gonna put sugar in his gas tank. Um, oh. And, but I never got around to doing that. I'm not. No, you just, just you just broke
2: not. his back instead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just did the bane thing.
2: What happened? Yeah. What happened with your eyes? They were okay
0: they're fine uh, yeah actually, uh, these are just play glasses um okay, good. no right. but uh, they're actually my eyes are fine i have like a stigmatism as yeah. only but it really this is just i feel like i've been wearing glasses lately just as like a bit a, yeah. yeah they're like, good like, you look good yeah it's look good look, look, especially like since i I, sh- I don't normally shave all the way down too yeah. and i feel like it's like it's, you gotta have something or it's like
2: it helps it helps to square things off if you got glasses on for sure Yeah, because
0: if not it's just
2: yeah no you're okay no even without because you got good hair you got strong hair is that natural hair color i gotta ask
0: that's a yeah natural hair color
2: man you are doing very well my friend Uh, yeah
0: quarantine's not been bad
2: no you're doing well um i i had to if this was two months ago two months ago i don't know if i would have clicked that video on because my hair was getting rough and uh the second I could get a haircut, I didn't go, I didn't go bootleg. I didn't go, you know, um, you know, amendment 18 style haircuts. Um, But I, uh, as soon as I could, I went and got one. And it cleared about an inch off the side of each of my, of my head on both sides. And it just, it just looks better. So uh, yeah, I've had times I was actually digging around in my hard drive just before and found, a couple of pictures of myself where my hair was a little longer. I was like, man, I was looking good. I was good. And I realized that it was long enough ago that I still got hair, but it, it, there's thin spots. You don't need to comment on that because I, it, you know, we're, we're getting on really well and I don't want to feel hurt. Um, but it's certainly not as lush as yours. So.
0: Well, I, uh, and well, I got, I'm usually a short haired person too, but yeah, basically it got to a point where usually I'll go like a month. Yeah. um and it was like i was over the month line and this was like i needed to have a haircut in february and then it got to march and i was like i really need to get a haircut and then you know
2: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> and then so it just was like you know i could have i, I, I could have gotten a haircut by now but it's like i don't really like have to go to work in a normal sense anymore so let's see where it goes yeah
2: <laughs> doing well feeling so good yeah. about it
0: we'll see Uh, but yeah so I guess uh, we will now transition into talking about Rival Schools Uh, United by Fate Um, and I think like what I mentioned to you like it had been like I'm a little later to coming around to Rival Schools because for some reason I feel like I was all like sometimes I'll pick a band and then just be like this band was better and then as they got to their other project. Right. Who know who knows why. It's right. It's like a thing I can't really define. Like I don't want to define it as like I never viewed rival schools as like Walter's sellout band or anything. I don't feel like I care about that term, you know. Right. Um but you know it's like I, I just never knew what to do with it, you know? And, no,
2: so. I don't think you're alone in that. Um I actually I want you to lead here, but, but I have so much, it's one of those situations where I have so much to say, I can completely monopolize this. I don't want to, but I don't think you're alone in that because I was there. Um, you know, I, I worked with a, a good, a good friend now, but a guy who, um, it's like one of those things that when you're friends with someone, but you work with them constantly, uh, and it doesn't sound like you and Roy, but maybe three steps up from that. We, we would always goof and joke. And sometimes the joking got a little too rough, but, um, John DeSmet, uh, he does a, a fanzine called meat sheet fanzine and he's been doing it for a long time. And if anyone listening to this hears it, they should look it up. Cause he's, he's just, he's somebody who really loves music of all kinds, you know? And when I started working with him at, at a screen printing shop up here in New Jersey, um, It was just me, him, the owner, who's a dear friend, and uh, one other guy upstairs who's a friend too. But it was me and him downstairs most of the time. So to start it off, he was a Howard Stern diehard. So every morning was Howard Stern. Every morning.
0: You've already explained the personality type.
2: Well, well, but he was – you know what? I don't want to – he would be on the fringes of the whack pack okay in that like and i'm fine with type. the
0: whole howard stern thing me it's,
2: too me too but but i think sometimes people hear howard stern fan and think like you know especially from that time this is like 2000 late 90s they're thinking dickhead they're thinking like bro dude or whatever Or like just i'm thinking boring. there's a range yeah there is he okay. is on the eccentric range he is on the okay. eclectic artist like and he just he just loved the jokes and and like to be honest it was funny um yeah but uh, but he also loved music, hardcore, post-hardcore, indie stuff. He turned me on to a lot of rap, different things. He he really did have a, a broad range of musical interests. He was a die-hard Rival Schools fan. Mm-hmm. Myself, die-hard Quicksand fan. Love Gorilla Biscuits. By that point, I had even heard like some of Walter's like weird lost projects, whether they were Moon Dog or the band he did after quicksand but before rival schools world's fastest car but for whatever reasons rival schools didn't connect to me to the point where i was like i don't like this i was against it i i felt like again i think you said it well even then i didn't totally think of it like this is a sellout project but there wasn't there was something that didn't connect for me and it was a little while. Um, And I I regret it because I didn't get a chance. I had a chance to go see them at their peak on this record. And I didn't go because I was like, bah, rival schools, whatever. Um, Meanwhile, I'm walking around New York city by myself, listening to, uh, you know, a dubbed tape of slip back to front, back to front, back to front every day, you know? Um, So I wonder about that. The, like the, the diehard quicksand fan, their initial reaction to rival schools. It, I, I think it jarring might not be the right word, but um, slow to embrace is probably a better way to say. it. Yeah.
0: And I don't really know if I, I feel like now that I've gotten into them, I, I, I have people that will like come to me and tell me how much they like it. But like, I don't know who it was for at the time. Like I, it's like I don't remember it at the time and I think I was in a much different headspace because I don't think I was even like when this came out in 2001 I wasn't born yet
2: yeah right you were (laughs) you were a a glint in your father's eye but you weren't into the music
0: so (laughs) but but honestly though um I think the thing was it's like I I wasn't like, I, I guess I was probably still in like my epifat phase, I guess, you know? Okay. Like, um, so I'm like trying to think about like where it fit in. And it was funny. Like, I was kind of like, the main thing with like taking notes for any of this, it's like, I better not like get like the album name wrong. So I'll just write down sort of the wiki fact kind of things that I sure. don't want to mess up. So one, it was like, I wrote, wrote the name of the band, wrote the title, wrote the year, then the date that it came out. Okay. And I was like, oh all right, I don't even need to talk to Bob. I think I know exactly what happened. You know, September yeah. four, two 2001. There you go. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's like, okay. And I don't know if you like the band uh, Super Chunk, um, but they have a documentary and essentially it kind of is essentially the tour that led up to like 9-11. Yeah. It was like, and there's a tour documentary of it. And then there's the tour as it went after 9-11 and there's no one that shows yeah and like and I don't know if that kind of feeds into anything like you were going to talk about and I never even thought about it as a thing I knew what year it came out because I can look at Wikipedia but I never thought about it in context of like that might have something to do with it yeah I mean
2: <clears throat> so from my memory and you know like if you talk to the band, maybe they feel differently. Rival schools in the New York metro area had this like really hot excitement around them because Quicksand, for all that they were, and they, you know, to me, um, they're a band who transcended genres and labels in a lot of ways and and really got out there in a big way. But they also kind of exuded this New York City thing. Um, and especially in the 90s like they just had this this kind of connection to the city without it being like like New York hardcore beat you over the head with it this is New York you know like they were like the coolest version of New York uh, this side of Jerry Seinfeld you know like it was just cool and so then Rival Schools come out and and it's like this is Walter's new band here's the guys who are in it Um, It was kind of catching on. I didn't know that that was a release date. Uh, I have to imagine it really impacted the band. Um, To speak about that, you know, I, I, the woman I was dating at the time lived in Midtown. Uh, I was in New York on the morning of September 11th and took a boss out of Port Authority to my job. Where again, I was I was listening to a cassette tape that had Quicksand Slip on one side, and uh, Warzone Fight for Justice on the B side. So um, Is that, I did uh, the,
0: one of the Victory ones.
2: That's the last Victory one, but I really like it. I, the rabies has the, all these like wild like talking skits on it that just like they're so endearing. And it's like, who the fuck do you think you are, man? Coming around acting like you're all king of the scene. That's a direct quote, by the way. Um, but they're really endearing. So, and, and the record's pretty good. Um, but slip I loved. And so I'm just listening out on a bus, New Jersey transit bus, I think the 67. Um, and you know, the guy, Jeff, the guy I worked for as he did, came and picked me up at the bus station. I was like a plane just flew into the side of the world trade center. I was like, wait, what? And, um, you know, like, like i i'm tangenting here and i'm not trying to do the where were you on september 11th bit but um (laughs) but it was it's hard to understate how much of an impact it had like on everything right around then um all sorts of stuff and uh yeah i have to imagine some touring plans got shifted uh the focus on music i mean they were a band who in europe they kind of in the uk they were kind of you know if there was a buzz bin in 2001 they were in the buzz bin you know um and they were getting pretty big in and around the city i don't even know how much national touring they did i know yeah, they did some but
0: you i remember know. that in terms of it i mean tangent but um, please, i was i was asking someone or i was kind of telling someone like I don't know why like seaweed wasn't a bigger band and then someone one of my friends that's just a little bit older than me was like they didn't tour that much right and then I was like oh all right and I was like that kind of makes sense like you know but you know it was like so if that's the case with with them as well like all right I guess that makes sense but I did I did see like um when I was looking just at the like the metric see if it like hit any billboards or whatever yes it it was only uk yep and so that you know that feeds into what you're saying it was like 42 and 74 like two of the different singles that got pushed for it um so it's like something that just didn't seem to like resonate for whatever reason in the u.s you know it's not like they don't have their fans but also um i feel like there's this concept Um, and it happens a lot in like indie rock and it doesn't so much happen when your band is associated with hardcore. It is easy to, I would easily imagine that rival schools were more popular than most hardcore bands of the time. For sure. And that's a theory that I can't completely say, but I'm just going to say that it's a fact. Um, so, but when you're on like this came out on Island Records, Right. And th- there's, there's an expectation, I think sometimes with indie rock bands and there's, there's a bigger field that's playing in. And I always like use this analogy, not that we really know each other in this way, but like, there's like bubbles. And so it's like hardcore bands, there's like a lower bubble and okay. they exist in it. And yeah. so there's certain times, like whenever you're like someone like quicksand, it's like you're coming out of hardcore and you're, you're able to come out of the bubble into the, but you're still kind of lower bubble. Yep. And so it's like you know rival schools kind of started at this higher level mm-hmm. and had to sort of meet an expectation is what I would guess.
2: And yes,
0: 100%. You're always and so potentially right out of the gate if they did something it might be viewed as a failure but in other realms would be viewed as a huge success.
2: So so you're you're cluing on something and I, I like this bubble thing that you're discussing. What I would say is in your bubble, you also, if you're in that bubble of hardcore and say that's a lower bubble, you know, but you do well in that quicksand came from that bubble, but they were able to use that bubble to bounce into that next level. And for a band like quicksand, and it's not every band that gets this, they were able to hold on to a really high percentage of their original fans. And you rarely, you know, I don't, <clears throat> even in being like a kid who poured through zines and read things, you got a few people who looked at quicksand as like, quote unquote, sellouts or or like that band sucks. And, you know, they, they turned on hardcore, whatever, or think that what they did sonically was a negative impact to hardcore. But that's, you know, especially in 2020 conversations, a, a very small minority. They were able to transition to a new sound and, and a new arena threshold basically platform to a much broader audience while maintaining a fan base and maintaining the like hardcore fans who are like look even if quicksand's going on some tour like support tour a good example of this is uh the reunion quicksand tour in 98 with the deftones i should raise my hand i didn't go because i was like nah man deftones no way But I kick myself for it all the time. But I feel like on that Deftones quicksand tour, there's probably 200 people at every one of those shows who are going to see quicksand. um, Who either were apathetic to Deftones or so neutral that they wouldn't have gone, but hey, quicksand's on it. And oh yeah, Deftones, I like them too, I'll go. That's rare. And I think that's even more rare in indie rock because for a band like Rival Schools, I think I like the the interesting point that you made, and that's a great point. Is the release date came September fourth? Yeah, hey, it didn't have it, it was you know a hard release time. We'll just say that couldn't have helped. No, this I remember. Um, the guitar player Ian Love left the band within a year after the record came out. And I think he was pretty instrumental in the band. I don't, I can't speak from fact. I can't speak, but I know he was a big part of the band and that essentially after he leaves, it dissolves pretty quickly. Um, And that the record didn't, you know, I don't know sales numbers on it. I don't know where it fell, but it didn't chart in the US. I think that it maybe didn't hit expectations that the label had for it
0: like that island records wouldn't have had for
2: it right and, and that
0: that's like a weird thing like even when you think of like bands like jawbox were signed to like atlantic yep and it's like i don't i don't know what their numbers were but like if if jawbox sold fifty thousand records let's say at the time since people bought a lot of records uh that's probably not a success for atlantic but that would set up any that would be like let's say revelation records that would be a lot
2: revelation would have been pretty excited about fifty thousand records sold Yeah. yeah um no it's it really is the different levels of expectation and i also think that when you're in that format like you were saying like you have different expectations that's from a label and that's also from a band um i think that rival schools they probably weren't trying to go do a diy basement tour I think they were probably being pitched on package tours and if they're not getting the offers, all of a sudden they're seen as, you know, you know, I'm not gonna because yo, I literally have so much love for this band and these artists, these guys, I don't want to even use a term like dead on the line, but that's how people could have portrayed it. Um, And meanwhile, like fast forward, this record comes out in 2001. I'm talking about how I was a hater because I really wouldn't give it a chance. I moved to California in August of 2003 and the rival school CD might as well have been like, I might as well have taken a a screwdriver and stuck it in the front of the CD player. So it couldn't get out of the CD player. It's all I would listen to. Um, You know, I, I know the record so back and forth. It's, it's like, it's borderline embarrassing how much I like this band because it's it really is great and i there's probably a time where i would be like whoa how could i like this band more than quicksand but it's there i like them as much as i like quicksand and i wonder because I've,
0: I've, I've kind of felt like it's uh i didn't want to say rivaling it because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like I, I don't know if it, that's because of how much i've worn out like slip or you know, and so then, United by Fate is fresh by comparison. You yeah. know, that's always think about that because I feel the same way now. But like, I also you know know how much I listened to Quicksand for a good chunk of time. Like, right? You know, uh they were. You know, they, they. I mean, they were. Like, I I did this. I feel like I did the same Walter dive as you. That I don't know if that's like a generational thing or a blog spot thing or you are know, a good but, 15 to 30
2: years younger than me but
0: that's okay yeah, enough yeah i mean but yeah so it's you know i i think i, I did the same thing it would be like someone would be like i feel like people were probably like check out rival schools and i'm like no i heard there's some walter interview and i think i'm gonna listen to that instead yeah. you know it's like it's like oh he yeah. played he played bass on this youths of today record you know i'm gonna that's check sick. that out and people were like but you should really check out rival schools and they're like I think there's this thing of him just reading the phone book. It was like no reason of why. (laughs) No reason not
2: to check it out. Yeah. Uh, But total aside really quick, but I think you can actually really hear the Walter influence on the last youth of Today seven inch. Uh, Just as an aside, if you haven't listened to it in a long time, go back and listen to it. I I think it's, I think it's there in the bass playing. Um, Anyways. uh, Yeah, I don't, I think it's, it's interesting. Like, Of the two quicksand LPs, and let's start here, which do you prefer? Slip or Manic Compression? Okay, right. And it's an easy answer for me too, right? Yeah.
0: I'll
2: listen to Manic Compression and really enjoy it. It's got some incredible songs. But as a full length, as an album, the arc, the story arc, the way it moves, the flow of song to song to song on Slip. it's incomparable in that way that like you can say like, what movie do you like better? You know, like this classic or this classic. And it's like, well, it's not fair to compare them because they're both such heavyweights and like, I love comparing everything, but like the flow of slip is so, so superior to, I don't know, most aggressive guitar music.
0: It's really the, the analogy I can think of um, is that, Slip is Die Hard. Uh, Mana Compression is Die Hard too. If you take okay, out, there we go. if you take out Die Hard two and don't really think about it in continuation of the first one, it's a fun action movie.
2: Yeah, it is. You're right. But in
0: comparison to Die Hard, it's not Die Hard. <laughs> you know, That's it's true. It's not. And you know, and I don't want to start saying bad because I think I like Mana Compression a lot.
1: But I I've think, also I've think also Madden...
0: seen Die Hard 2 a lot. But you know, in that I mean that was the point, but also I would then say with that thing that I think Interiors is Die Hard with a vengeance.
2: Oh, okay, we're going to put a pin in that because I want to discuss that more.
0: We'll go back to that.
2: United by Fate, though, it has a similar competency and flow with a totally different sound as Slip. I feel like some of the stuff that's happening on United by Fate, the tempos, the song-to-song variants, you know, they're able to do stuff with rival schools that I think is consciously not quicksand. You know, I think it's consciously like the song Holding Sand, which is mid-record, you know, you twist that song a little bit that could be a quicksand song. I don't think there's another song on that record that I would say could be a quicksand song um, without really, really uh, twisting the screws on there's,
0: it. I can't think of which song it is. This is w- usually why I try and avoid the track by track thing. Sure, sure. But, um, but it, I mean, this is important in the, in the kind of comparing the two. There's the one where it kind of goes into the Fugazi-esque bass line underneath. And I, it might yeah. be used for glue, potentially. Use for uh, glue
2: has that really aggressive opening. Like, oh, then
0: there's one where it starts like just guitar, or, and
2: no, then it um, goes
0: into the kind of fugazi-esque bass line underneath. Oh, that's that's used for glue.
2: That's that like high energy song,
0: yeah. Yeah, and then but I think like if that were uh, Sergio playing bass, then that would be a quicksand song because of the way that I think it could be.
2: It could be, I think, well, you- But so I'm also tuned, comparing tuned.
0: it to, we're doing the interiors thing.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. Well, so I think, and that's one of the big things I would say with interiors is everything's tuned down. Um, the the guitars on use for glue and like, we, we will try to avoid too much track for track because I, I can, but I don't want to. Um, it's too bright, it's too vibrant, you yeah. know? Now, if you throw on a little bit more like thudding bass, like do 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 do, on it um, as opposed to the kind of more bouncing bass, uh, more Fugazi bass line, because I think that's a good, that's a great comp there. Um, You can start heading towards quicksand, but I think a lot of that was really deliberate. I think they were aware, conscious, and and also just like let's be real, like Walter. Uh, deserves a lot of credit for being super creative. And, uh, you know, without knowing the man personally, it seems like he's very thoughtful in the way he crafts his projects. And, and like, United by Fate, in the way that grill could start today, is seen as this, like, very singular hardcore record. It's melodic, but it's still a New York hardcore record. It's got all these points, and it's really singular there quicksand slip to me i don't it has no peers in the post-hardcore world to me just personally i think there's some close ones i think seaweed gets close i think i don't think there's a full helmet record that gets close um failure gets pretty close that one failure record is really good but rival schools united by fate you said it well when you introed one who's this for two where does it fit to me it's it's a very unique record that i don't maybe that's also part of this puzzle is that
0: yeah you know
2: like they could have gone and opened for foo fighters but foo fighters are slayer to me in a lot of ways where like you know if you're going and opening arenas for foo fighters in 2001 or 2002 most of the people there are there to see Foo Fighters. And while you're, while you're gearing up, they're grabbing a hot dog.
0: I, yeah, um, I think like, cause well, one of the thing, one of the songs, uh, specifically I, the one, the, the one song that kind of sticks out to me is like the hit. And usually I feel like people would say like the first couple tracks, but the switch, like <laughs> that song is just like, like when I think of that song, I'm like, this is what I wish, blur sounded like when people try to explain blur to me yeah like i've had people try and resell that to me as like (laughs) in league with like even oasis which i you know i i will say the controversial thing that oasis is good but i think that history has been a little too kind to them you know and uh in that i think that i don't understand where they're the almost singular touchstone. Of that
2: of that era of British rock music, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I don't know why it's become the T-shirt. Like it's like
2: they always they were always the big name in it, and it was, you know, they're the failed number one pick. They're not failed. They had a they're they're Derrick Rose. If you want me to go sports, they had a couple like unbelievable seasons. They were incredible for a short period of time, but to me, it's like three records and then after that i'm like oh like it's fine you know like i I go definitely maybe um what's the story what's the record after what's the story those three are
0: to me me though i think that they're a band that you have to and this is where it becomes um a a more of a generational chat and you but you you all have talked about this and we're going in like inception level like tangents but it's okay i (laughs) think you have to do the same thing it's like Aerosmith to me. Like I think that you can you can sit there and go as I've done that, I did this a few years ago and I bring this up a lot. I was like I don't like Aerosmith. Okay. And then someone was like I don't I don't know. And you then the big I, ones were like
2: damn it I love <laughs> yeah, I Aerosmith. I sat
0: there and then I went through all of the albums, listened to them all that I could, you know, kind of stand. Started at the very beginning. Yeah. And then was kind of like, I will make, it, every time there's a good song, I will add it to a playlist. Okay. And, and it was like essentially the first record and then like half of the second record and then tracks Well, that's what I'm saying is like, by the end of the time that I did that, I was like, I guess I got to say I'm an Aerosmith fan. You know? And like, I I feel like I could easily do the same thing with Oasis, but I don't know if I would be hundred percent on board with like a full album by them but i know that at the end of the playlist there'll be a lot of tracks well
2: i mean i think that's perhaps a great point and and where when you're somebody who really like dives on music and gets weird about it uh, as clearly we both do um when you listen to a record and it's it's sort of like the difference in and, oh, okay, we're talking expectations. It's like the difference in expectations. To me, I want a, I want a great album. That doesn't mean there's no bad songs. That, there can be dips, but I want a great album. I have high expectations because I've seen it done. To me, there's bands who there's records that are perfect that it's like, damn, quicksand slip example. Like it's boom, you know, it's not that it doesn't have a couple of them like, mm, you know, eh, maybe less so on that song, but but it's overall really good. As you start sliding on that, um, that, that uh, threshold, as you start sliding on that um, range towards pop music, a successful pop music record has three hits three hit singles, it almost doesn't matter what the other songs are. And I think that if you look at Oasis as a pop music band, highly successful, very successful band, very successful artists. But if you look at them as a, hey, I'm going to put you under the, I want a perfect album. They do pretty good, but not all the way, you know, and I think they would rather, they would, as a, as artists, as musicians, they put themselves more under the the microscope of, hey, we're trying to write a great record. But they also were writing singles. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, they knew Wonderwall. <laughs> you know, um, Be Here Now is the other record. Yeah, I mean, I
0: so, feel like, though, you know, like I, a, if, if I'm kind of, like, thinking about myself outside my body, someone being like, what the fuck with Oasis, yeah. you know? But it's like, they're a great band. They're almost like in sort of brit rock of the 90s standard it's like it's like god in a way it's like they don't need my help saying nice things about them you know it's like yeah, when people right. are like, like the idea of like when people are like like growing up if i don't know if you grew up in a religious household where someone would be like don't say the lord's name in vain but it's like but if we believe if you believe if i'm not religious but it's like but if you believe in a god that's this powerful why would they get my- shit right that's, why would my that's the matter to me it's like why do they what do they care like right. you know it's like they don't need my help but Sorry. you know kind of but one the reason i kind of bring up the kind of blur oasis thing is like and not like a comparison but like i wonder if like we said like it might have been the wrong i think it was the wrong time it was the wrong time because of 2001 unfortunately but i think it. it's like there is some like Brit rock stuff in there. And then there's also a response. I feel like uh, th- there actually, there's so many factors. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's hard to get into like all of them where I think that when I look at like how the age of the people that were in the band, and then we were talking about like quicksand slip. And then you, you were saying like when they did the reunion in like 98, those yeah. fans kind of carried over and they still had 200 people. Sure. Yeah. 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 Ninety-eight to two thousand and one. How many of those kind of close friends were still? You know, they probably. What's the shift, right? They probably lived in San Antonio, Texas, at that. that (laughs) You
2: know, no, it's it's yeah. Does life move on, and how how easily do you shift? Because like, you know, uh, uh, the 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 place I'll go is that I think there were quite a few Gorilla Biscuits fans who followed Quicksand, who. followed with them and then the question is well then there was a whole lot more casual quicksand fans than like casual gorilla biscuits fans how many quicksand fans followed along to rival schools the diehards were there no question but even them as we discussed maybe they were like oh what what i wanted from this was quicksand too and it's not that like and like masterstroke by Walter for not trying to deliver quicksand to you know it would never be able to hand, hold up but it's 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 a point I try to go to with Axe to grind and and when I think about it personally now is that how much did my personal expectations for this record impact how much I enjoyed it because wow. if I go into something wanting to love it and I don't love it I mean I, it's tough because it's almost like it doesn't even, it's, it's not, it's like, you know, it's the inverse of them talking about kids with silver spoons starting on third base. This is, Hey, you're starting with two strikes, you know, like, Oh, if it's not a home run, I'm not going to like this. Um, And, you know, in hindsight to me, United by fate is a home run. I just didn't let them get out of the batter's box. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I I think, like, when I was kind of mentioning that analogy of, like, when I was kind of, I was bringing a lot of myself into it, and so I'm assuming, because, I mean, if you look at, like, the age he was when that record came out, um, I'm bringing a lot of myself, you know, it's like, I've been from, like, fast punk band to, like, kind of more hardcore-esque band, and then we went to an alt country band, and then we went to, like, whatever my current band sounds like, I don't know. Right. But it's like, I think in the sm- the smallest comparisons, like my friends followed me to a point. They probably mostly dipped out at the alt country band, and yeah. you know, so I might have lost them. But it's like a lot of my direct friends, like you know how you all talk on like axe grind. It's like what you really need when you go play a show is those like twenty friends. Yep, for that sure. That just go off. Yeah, like I had for that it. as a kid, right? You know, and like and then somewhere in between you know it's like they just bought houses and they moved to the suburbs i live in the suburbs you know but like closer to where we all hung out but like people don't follow you a lot of times you know and i I don't i don't think rival schools needed it in the sense of like a local band but that had to be at least 10 percent of some of the
2: right yeah no i i wonder about it i think and you know what
0: we i could be completely wrong there because no, I think it's, I'm bringing...
2: it's, we're opining and and you know like we should circle <laughs> around to the music too because but it's good because like to me and i think we've just kind of touched on this so we'll get more into it of course but it's sort of that question of like hey how come this band wasn't gigantic
0: like, but what i'm saying is why don't people still hang out with me bob
2: man I, you need to write a, a record like rival schools or something okay. i don't know I, no, uh, <laughs> no i think it's it's one of these crazy questions is that um i think the bigger your band gets or the bigger your band is out of the gate like it's not like there was a rival schools demo tape that floated around i mean maybe there were demo recordings of this or that you know but it was like just like oh hey we're doing this band they're signed to island right out of the gate debut album's coming there's a certain expectation right out of the gate and if it doesn't catch catch fire right away that can really put a damper on things and and you know like we won't speculate other than that but you you go record comes out a week before september 11th (laughs) fast forward doesn't seem like they toured an awful lot and the guitar player ian love leaves the band and now you're scrambling Um, you know, fast forward, they have a, and it was still at the time. And, you know, if you don't remember, maybe, maybe some of your older family members would, but it was still at a time when bands could kind of disappear off radar. And you wouldn't know, like, is Rival School still a band? Is this band still a band? Are they just taking a break? And, you know, it's not like the internet didn't exist. It existed, but that information wasn't like readily available at all times yeah so, I mean, if you like were now, a
0: if you were a bon jovi fan you couldn't find out if richie sambora had actually left bon jovi
2: right. <laughs> that's exactly right so so you just you only know what you know so um it's funny
0: because this was produced by the guy that produced it's my life by bon. really yeah
2: i wonder how how much time they were apart when uh, did it's my life come out
0: you know, that's a later bon jovi right
2: i know yeah it's that's kind of when like, bon
0: jovi started copying bon jovi
2: it's like well it was like uh bon jovi copying bon jovi but bon jovi light like uh it's my life it's now. oh no Ooh. bon jovi it's my life is 2000
0: so it was the next year
2: so they were like hey in the we studio need to get at the same time. yeah we need to get this guy they probably practicing hearing hearing john and richie and we're like damn we need to get we need to we need to get a little what they got going on um so so here's my question for you when was the turning point for you for united by fate when did it click for you uh
0: well i got the turning point discography so i had them (laughs) you got the whole thing okay yeah. um mm, Like when did it really? Was there a
2: moment? Was there a moment when you listened to it and you're like, "Oh, I like this record now."
0: It's funny. I made the Turning Point joke. I actually think that at like the fest in Gainesville, there was the they had the flea market,
2: Uh
0: and they had Turning Point um, discography and a band. Like I think the same year that I bought the Turning Point discography, I also bought Rival Schools. Um, Oh wow. The, uh, the actually well i'll show you but it doesn't mean anything to this but yeah. it's it's like a it's a i think it's well it's a, yeah an src vinyl copy yep it's a double lp uh, so yeah um so i think not that long ago you know like uh within the past like five years it really clicked and there was even a point um i think this was really what if people want me to get into a band that they think i'll like tell me that my band kind of sounds like them and then my ego will sort of assimilate it into you know my being so so i remember someone told me that they thought my band had vibes of rival schools and i was like i need to go back and listen to rival schools and then all those things all together it just clicked. but also i think it came at a time where i was more open to it yep like there was a point where i feel like there was a point where we kind of got tired of like uh kind of fast punk and hardcore and we that's when we started like our alt country band yeah but then so we just totally just said fuck it the hardcore you know yeah yeah and yeah. we were just into like drive-by truckers like you know justin towns or r.i.p or just like anything R.I.P. like you know uh lucerne just anything we could we were just like that was sure. our new identity because you know and then there there came a point i think in it where it was like i like that stuff a lot but i think maybe i went too far (laughs) (laughs) but maybe there's still some redeeming stuff in this other direction yeah i don't think i you know it's like i don't think i i know i don't want to say i hated like punk or hardcore but it was like we just felt like we we wanted to do more yeah (laughs) so like um i so i I think that's like where i started to have more appreciation for things and um it also comes around the time where i think like pearl jam clicked for me
2: oh yeah you know
0: like that doesn't that seems miles away from that but it was just like there came a point like kind of after like uh, there came a point where i started like trying to reassess things yeah you know and i don't know why that was but i think it was really just sitting down like just like a crazy person and just being like i'm going to try and like this right um, and listening
2: i mean yeah no i i think a lot of things depend on your access point and what you get into stuff from and what you were into before and what have you i mean a dear friend of mine who was a punk like was is always will be a punk guy and he had gotten into stuff early 90s like going from metal thrash metal death metal right into spiky punk and quicksand was always kind of on the peripheral of things and like we became friends He was like yeah it's not for me and i'm like that's cool and uh you know he was in a band who was touring a lot and it was interesting to me because i believe he either wrote me a postcard or called me from san diego and said hey uh quicksand slip was on over the PA system after we finished our set and it kind of just hit me like a ton of bricks and I really like it now you know and that was that's cool because I sort of had a similar but different experience with rival schools where united by fate like I think I had just moved to California and it was a time where I was alone a lot if I wasn't with my significant other I was alone you know and uh or at work with people who I'm pretty sure one of the guys got a Green Day Dookie butt tattoo while I worked there. That was pretty funny. Um, And the other ones, the people who weren't of that ilk were going to Fridays and TGI Fridays and and getting uh, day drunk and DUIing back to work. So it was a weird time. Um, So, uh, but the record clicked for me and it really clicked in that way where like, I emotionally connected to a lot of the music and the songs and the energy of it. Um, And, you know, I I was in a relationship that was kind of going through a lot of ups and downs and, and the record kind of feels that too, you know, the lyrics by travel lyrics of travel by telephone are awesome and kind of go through this weird, not catharsis, but this, ambiguous conversation that you can apply to yourself. And uh, I think that's one of the places where Walter doesn't get the credit he deserves is having these wildly applicable, deeply personal and often misunderstood lyrics, because it's like, yo, there's some of the stuff on this record. That's totally like, Oh, I I can guess what this is about. And other stuff that you're like, Oh, that's not what I would think it was about. (laughs) You know? Um, So this record, like uh, it caught me personally. I have a hard time talking about it without expressing my personal experience. But, um, but I mean, outside of that, I find it to be just like this tremendously unique record. Um, you asked like, where does this fit? Like, what, would you give this a genre? Like, where would you place it?
0: Uh, I guess like, cause I, before I kind of answer that, I feel Please. like it's like when you were mentioning that, I feel like I had the same situation. Like, you know, it's just like whatever was going on in my life, like just that was the time for it. Right, it you hits, yeah. And hits, I don't yeah. know, if maybe that's like in the ether that this record is meant to exist. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I, I don't know. Like, but it's like, I never had anyone, for all the bands that were people would be like, you know, you should listen to Spaz or something, or you know, like you know, whatever it might be, or like you should listen to Suffocation, you know, yeah, right? yeah. You know, like whatever kind of thing. Like Time of My Life, like, okay, you know, yeah. But this was never handed to me that way. Like no right. one ever said you need to listen to Rival Schools, and it was never like somebody, you know, there. Was, it was a little yeah. bit as like, you should listen. You know, it was like just yeah. in the ether. You know, it was yeah. like yes, I knew it existed, <laughs> um, but you were you were asking like what is the drawn like where would i put it
2: yeah because to me i think it's a great question like i don't um i guess you could broadly put it as post-hardcore you know yeah you could very broadly and easily you know in a way that doesn't totally exist in 2020 the way that i guess i would kind of like like this is an indie record but it's not this is not Yola tango. You know what I mean? That's
0: that's where, that's where it gets hard because yeah. like, I would do the same thing. And I think that sort of is like a gen, I mean, I'll drop the bit of like, you know, my yeah. age. Range. We're in the similar age Yeah. Trench. yeah. <laughs> As a 95 year old person, you know, like, <laughs> I feel like there is a certain way that we might say something is indie rock. And yes. I don't think that's what is people i don't i think we kind of have maybe a similar lane of where we'll file a lot of indie rock Yep. but it isn't what society now tells you indie rock is right because right. To me, it's like to me indie rock is still tied to punk in a way well it's it's
2: punk or it has a sparseness to it that would it if it wasn't from punk it would parallel it you know what i mean like like an example is the dudes in REM were never really like punkers per se. I'm sure they were aware of all that music and I'm sure one or two had black flag records. You know what I mean? But like REM for the first part of the eighties is, is boilerplate indie rock to me in that way that it has a sparseness and a uh, raw emotion to it that I think you know, the only other label you can give it is college rock or, you know, it's not Americana. It's not folk. It doesn't have the big room feel of the seventies. It doesn't have big production. Um, and, and so it's, it's not, it's not like the British stuff. It's not like it's British contemporaries, you know, cause there's some people who would say indie rock, you know, like U2 was never indie rock per se, but you could listen to their first couple of records and see some like real parallels and go, Oh, okay. Um,
0: but I largely agree
2: with you. Like I, I think. Yeah, I mean, I would say, like in, in their
0: early in U 2s early career, uh, I would probably say that they, without knowing where they would have gone, you would have said they were post punk.
2: Exactly. Exactly. You know? it's like and it's that's like why they
0: weren't crazy far from like Wire or something, you know? And, and um,
2: post punk, I think, is the interesting bridge of the worlds because so much of post punk came clearly out of punk or first wave stuff, and if you're a band who was influenced by post-punk you could be indie rock for sure. You know what I mean? But you might not, you personally might not make the connections back all the way to punk. You know what I mean? You might be like, Oh, so these guys were doing this. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like wire, but I don't listen to wire. I just listen to the first two U2 records. You know what I mean? Like, or murmur, you know, like, so, cause I think that's the other thing you can place it into. And um
0: well, that's, that's the thing too. I think sometimes like, and I, I do it myself where I kind of, like, I was, I was talking to someone like a couple of weeks ago about like, where did, where did the sound of like Sunday day real estate diary come from? Like, where did they pull that out of? But like, and it's, I think it's, it's a similar, like, this is somewhat a similar aesthetic as that is like, you can't really draw a line it's especially with Walter like I feel like there is so much informing it and I think that that was what might have hurt it and before I, I think we can't kind of keep like like there's this thing where it's almost feels like Walter's in the room when we're just beating him with the stick <laughs> So it's like if Walter were to ever hear this like I legit think that Walter should be like the greatest songwriter of our modern era like if you yeah. look at all of it is like if you count in Siv if you count in Gorilla Biscuits if you count in you know Quichiro, Walking
2: Concert all that stuff I mean you know, that stuff like
0: it's, yeah. like it's like he is someone that it's like you know it's like just put him up there with whoever you want to put him up with and yeah. sort of uh, the shelf of songwriters but it's like you know it's like it's like if someone says like Warren Zevon or if someone says you know, like Steve Earle or someone says, it. yeah. it's like Walter is that. You know, it's like I I,
2: I couldn't agree more. Like yeah, like uh, and you know, as we all po- like, it's it's funny, and that's where this is this connects too. We're in this weird time where we're seeing a lot of podcasts about music and hardcore <laughs> and punk music and stuff, but sometimes it like to me i'm almost more interested in hearing people talk about the shit they love and opining about it than just interviewing at some point i'd love to interview walter and i promise i won't punish you i promise it'll just be fun um but it is like his creativity is has been a boon to punk and hardcore in general like what he's done over the years in his projects is so incredible and like inspirational to the nth degree even to people who may not be pulling from his bands i think being able to see what he's done uh to see the the like arc of his musical progression and the different bands he's done along the way it's it's glowing and and like so so you know let's say all praise be to walter yeah like you know i wanted to get
0: out of the way because yeah yeah, i feel like like, because yeah yeah, it's like i don't you know i don't want to feel like it's like why didn't it you know but i think like a thing that i've kind of landed on with certain things is you know i'll see if i can kind of walk it back but like people love cover bands yes you know and like and also what i mean by that is people love bands that sound like other bands people love yep. cover bands people love bands that sound like you know there are familiarity bands man yeah. sound just like hum you know yep. and then like if you can if you can and it's a skill i do not have so i'm not completely dogging on it because if i sat there and i tried to go i'm gonna write a song that sounds like hum i would fail like i'm just i guess i don't know and like i, I don't think Rival Schools has, like, one thing that people can go, this sounds like this. It sounds like Walter, but also you mentioned R.E.M. There's R.E.M., there's Blur, there's, you know, there's, you know, all these, like, British influences. There's all of Mm -hmm. the hardcore that he's just, like, it's, to me, it's, like, he's a Highlander. And, like, he has stolen the souls of all the things that he loves, and you know yeah and he's taking in all the energy yeah and like you got to be there for everything you know because the quickening is coming
2: no uh, right (laughs) (laughs) I, i think i like the way you put that i think this is too indie for post hardcore too post hardcore for indie it's way more aggressive than people who are looking for background cubicle music to put on but uh I, I dubbed it today while i was um making dinner uh jim d indie rock for the gym because you can do some cardio to this record you can get your body moving your blood flowing but it really excels at these tempo changes i mean i we, ran to it this morning it's incredible for that i, I mowed my lawn to it this <laughs> afternoon um so it's jim d and uh There are other examples, but like, it's so, it's so punk influence. It's got this driving speed. Like, like, yo, we've talked about Walter a lot. Sammy Siegler deserves a lot of credit. Cash deserves a lot of credit. Ian Love deserves a lot of credit. The drumming on this record is fantastic and is just like spot on and like pulls you in, but at times can be so subtle that like- yeah, know you know what i mean would, like
0: sorry sorry to go you would expect that though from the drunk, the guy that drummed with limb biscuit
2: <laughs> right well you know like there's obviously those parallels you know they, oh, yeah, they you can't help there. but comparison can't help but comparing but like with with that energy that rival schools has like it's here we go does it have a lot of pop elements and melodic accessibility yes or no yes is it fast and driving
0: uh at points yes yes
2: would you feel comfortable calling it pop punk no exactly
0: not really in any sort of history of that word
2: no Right. No, unless, unless you felt comfortable calling something like Husker Du pop punk, which I wouldn't either, even though there's poppy parts, there's, they don't have the same up tempo that something like rival schools does, but it's, you know, this record squarely post Blink 82. You know what I mean? Like this isn't an era where, where epitaph punk and fat punk exist and pop punk is a thing and it's pop accessible, but it's definitely not pop punk, you know? And so it, it, it's this weird lane that, you know, you start to see and like, what I feel comfortable calling saves the day pop punk kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's in that weird crossover lane, whereas can't slow down the first saves the day record less so than through being cool, but can't slow down. You know, it was kind of, and maybe it was self-ascribed too, but like, I feel as though you hear or you'd see people talk about the first saves the day record at the time, a lot more than rival schools and rival schools was just like a significantly superior version of some of the notes that they were attempting at. And, um, and, you know, like if people want to get into the specifics of it, I'm happy to tear it apart, but like there's certain elements of saves the day, it's first record, the non lifetimey stuff that you could go oh i could parallel that to rival schools i can't think of many things that i would parallel sonically to rival schools
0: i think what what potentially rival schools kind of it's almost like it's almost like uh, i don't know where i'm going with this but i feel like it's like almost like a ramones effect like it's like they're like just i'm about to say ground zero and we were talking about 911 yeah. uh, but um <laughs> They're like a starting point, I feel like, in a way. Yeah. Like, and Walter has done that a few times, like, Grill Biscuits. And I, I I, will just say Civ, you know, because it's like, yeah. it is known. You know, it's like, but, you know, I think that there's things that kind of started after that pulled a lot from Rival Schools. And I think, like, Saves the Day at a Point probably started pulling some of those influences in when they kind of sure. got the more mature sound. There's, like, a mature sound indie rock slash punk that came later that yeah. owes a lot to rival schools and they would use them I mean, like polar bear clubs they're like sure you're you know these things that it's like there wasn't really, fights or whatever
2: sure yeah. yes
0: but there wasn't really anything at the time yet you know no, so.
2: no it's um you know i think walter walter gets a lot of credit and i think it's very well deserved but he could get it much louder at a much broader spectrum. Yeah, And I think the same thing, you know, I think Fugazi doesn't get nearly the credit they deserve for the influence they had, um, the doors they opened sonically in terms of a creative space. But, uh, you know, because it's like, who do you group with Fugazi? You know, what bands do you put there?
0: You'll only have like Fugazi clones that you would group, group with them. Right. But they only exist because of
2: exactly fugazi. i
0: mean that's uh, because of slightly other things but things like fugazi
2: had such a they were like a they were like they're one of those bands and i think that quicksand was another and i don't think that quicksand exists the way quicksand existed without a band like fugazi to be very honest i think that a band like fugazi really opened the eyes of a whole generation of people who are you know older than me to going oh what can we do sonically it's different i don't think quicksand sounds much like fugazi at all but yeah. I think that it made them rethink what they can do rhythmically while still staying in this punk DIY underground subspace. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, it's very they different. So they were able to kind of, and we might be just saying this as like big quicksand fans, but I guess we've, we've, we've outed ourselves as both, yeah, so I I we, yeah. to, you know, but like there's even like that kind of thing with quicksand too, where it's like, there's like a point and then there's like bands that kind of go to metal and then there's bands that kind of go just where i don't know but it's like you know it's like to me though i always feel like of that genre whatever quicksand are doing handsome is as far as i'll go yeah and into another is on the other side will you go to into another I don't I can't it hasn't clicked oh. for
2: me yet okay. I know okay. I know
0: that y'all would disagree you've talked about this before me
2: me personally yeah I, can, I think I it's could the other way it, I, okay no no I, I enjoy handsome um, into another to me man I'm not gonna go sports here but I feel as though into another and quicksand were these really interesting cogs that were aware of each other and friendly but also perhaps even there was an unspoken like beach boys Beatles thing and please don't don't crucify me for making that comparison anyone please but where they were aware of what the other was doing and going oh shit that's cool we're not gonna do that but we gotta we gotta do our thing to that extent you know and i think you know it's it's almost criminal that the last uh the last proper into another record isn't out on streaming um, seamless it's
0: it's maybe that's the one I needed to hear if if you
2: if you have time or interest I I think I have the mp3s on this hard drive I'll send them Um, but but and I know it's on YouTube it's they're most melodic they're aggressive they're driving uh, they've really found their voice but it's it's sort of like you know you see what they're doing and then I mean with quicksand like when you hear the later quicksand songs or some of the stuff like shovel and you go, Whoa, what would a third quicksand LP have sounded like? You know, like, that's my question for you. Like, I think that the trajectory quicksand was on manic compression is kind of the standalone cause it might even be more aggressive than slip. But I think if they did a third quicksand LP, it's dark, it's tuned down but it's halfway to indie, in my opinion. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, so so, anyways, I mean, this is a long way of saying that uh, United by Fate is an incredible record. Um, yeah.
0: Do you do you ever think that maybe uh, like there are certain things that I feel like you all talk about with uh, you know like did album art hurt it? You know. And there's the things I'm just gonna like throw at the wall because I don't think there's like real answers.
2: Let's do it. it. Let's do it. Uh, no, I think the album art's actually good. But if you want to go on to, like, a critical thing, like...
0: But I don't know if it tells you what it is.
2: It doesn't tell you what it is. It now, as a fan, as indoctrinated, it feels like an iconic-looking thing, but it might have, to a generic eye, been just a thing. It, it, It wasn't... Like, White Pony, the Deftones record, became a thing. But that doesn't become a thing if Deftones don't pop. You know what I mean? So it's not uh the cover art for rival schools um it didn't pull me in at the time but i love it now so yeah i mean i
0: i also feel like as much as i like the record if, i mean with the green the color that the green is or even yeah. like the repress with the blue but really the green is the original i think i can imagine the shirt without the name on it, I could just see a dude at the brewery wearing that shirt. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. Sure, but it, no. it's not, you know, it's like that guy and I'm not saying it's a rival school shirt in that scenario, but you know, it's like rival schools also can play there too, to kind of bring them back into the conversation. Like, like it is Oh, right. The like is like- kind of a swing at um, being radio rock. But I think like I was mentioning earlier, it might the radio rock that i think it's trying to be was had already passed a few years
2: so there there's our good question is this more indie rock or is this more alternative
0: i think it's more alternative
2: (sighs) um probably and this is kind of that it's the venn diagram you know like it's sort of this weird venn diagram where it's not in and at that point like if we were to do like what was on college radio like this is if we wanted to get historic this would be fun but like what was on the college radio quote-unquote indie playlist at the time 2001 it wasn't stuff that sounded like rival schools rival schools was more alternative than that stuff a lot of the indie rock at that time was kind of going more angular it was simple it was kind of pre the super lo-fi thing that happened a few years later um but it was kind of like going for this weird, not noisy but like angular rock. That
0: was this Mars Volta, or was this still too early to be?
2: No, because Mars. Well, like, and that's where I think Mars Volta. Mars Volta is kind of falling in that. Like, I might call them more alternative than indie too. Like, like what when they were trying to go like forward.
0: at the drive-in on.
2: That's on, yeah, uh, uh, Fearless. Was that on
0: Fearless? Well, Something that's, like that. That's the reason I bring it up. At the drive-in
2: I, makes sense here.
0: But what if What if also, should rival schools have been on Island? Is that,
2: no, no, I mean, I don't think it helped them um, because it, 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 well, it didn't hurt them, but it also divorced them from having like, hard support well, that, that they would that's, have found what, somewhere else. That's what you I know? was kind of,
0: because when I think about it, on a personal level uh, and that uh, the scenario i was trying to make is like locally i feel like when we got signed to a bigger label which is still in terms of what we're talking to, to rival schools level a small label but sure. like when we got signed to 6131 like we felt like some of our local support just vanished like people weird. did weird there's uh, and not completely and it's all relative things no, i get it but, yeah but i think the point being is like i've had because you know i've gone to friends bands and been like hey we should play a show together and they're like i didn't think you wanted to or needed us to and it's It's like
2: like, whoa weird it's
0: like i wonder if there's a point where people don't think you need them anymore and i think that that makes a lot more sense when you talk to rival schools and not really my stupid band but (laughs) you know it's like i felt it so i wonder if there's a bigger version of that or
2: no, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I think that it's, um, it's investment, you know, like from the small, like from the punk hardcore scene, it's almost a, a meme for years and years and years now, the, oh, I like the demo better, right? Like those people who take ownership, but I I try to spin that and flip it to the positive is that if you catch someone, they invest in you and they kind of like stick with you, they, they'll they'll pull with you and try to, Now there can be breaking points and easy jump off points. We we've talked about that ad nauseum where it's like, it almost feels like this band uh, put out a record on a bigger label and that became a convenient jumping off point for their older fans. And it was like, Oh, they've changed. It's like, well, maybe they haven't changed that much. It's just that you somehow became disconnected from it with starting off with a record on a major. It often can just feel like, there was no room for the homebrew there was no room for that like grassroots support though to be honest like like i said that some of the people they did have some of that energy in and around new york city but you look at it and you go well if they perhaps were on a smaller label with different expectations they would have been the crown jewel to a smaller label i mean even if it was something like equal vision at that time they would have been like treated like the creme de la creme and on Island, I just don't know what the relationship was there and, and how long they were given a leash or how much support they were given internally. And like, that's where to me that like the crossing point is between working with yeah. labels of different sizes is that like, it might not sound like it but it means a lot to have people in your camp especially when you're starting off whether you're established or not. If you have people who really want to support your band and really believe in your project, that makes a difference. And um, I think that's probably true for bands at all stages, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of I, – I don't know if it's, like, one thing with them. And, um, you know, I guess we're probably getting at a point where we'll kind of reel it in and go back. But one thing I was kind of thinking more. as we're um, – I was, like, kind of thinking outside of myself. I was floating above my body. and When we were, like, getting super into the minutia of it, I just – envision my wife just like screaming at me just like you know you know that kind of point where you're kind of breaking something down to like its tiniest thing you know yeah. and I'm just yeah. like oh I wonder how many people I lost with that you know like <laughs> you know, it feels like a thing where it's like if it were a sports thing where someone starts breaking apart like a play or like i and then
2: they're they're showing like here watch his footwork here i'm gonna put it on the rewind and you're gonna watch it from one second to two seconds all right right there okay now rewind it again right there you see it he's pivot yeah right
0: yeah and i was thinking about like uh like when i when i started college i started as a history major and um it was like taking history classes and english classes but there was a class that i had and then someone started talking about they started talking about like a battle during the Revolutionary War, and then there became a, uh, an argument in the class about how if there was a certain flank, then that battle would have been different. And then someone argued with them that they needed this other battle formation and it would have yielded different results. I go, oh, I am changing majors.
2: Yeah yeah, yeah yeah and <laughs> that's join, like please just join us on the other side of the humanities hall uh for yeah. the english majors yeah
0: yeah I was
2: we're like, not going to talk about not. battle formations you know right? but
0: but, but I, I mean i do want i do want that to be where i go with this and i guess i'm talking about the podcast now and the, as, as an entity itself uh but the the point being is like as much as you all on AXAgrind, the the reason why I wanted to talk to you specifically, um, there, it feels to me that there's conversations like that in terms of like things that exist more in punk and hardcore. But when it gets slightly outside of it, it's like, I kind of wish, but maybe it's harder to do. I wish that people had those same kind of conversations with we'll say non-cordy is that yeah you know, and it's like it's like there's certain things that are they're not imagine dragons or something you know it's like it's like these things still exist within a subculture yep. you know uh you know and no offense to anyone that likes imagine dragons that's not the point of the analogy but you know it's we're both big imagine
2: dragon fans we're going yeah, next month so we love worry. them yeah. yeah um but you know it's
0: like it's like i I wish that people kind of talked about like rival schools or those bands that don't neatly fit into hardcore in the same kind of way that, you know, because I feel like they start kind of getting lost because I wonder if people feel like they don't need the help kind of some of the things we were talking about.
2: Well, I mean, I'll connect it exactly to what you kind of pulled to was the major label. I, I think quite often it's how something's treated from jump. I know that I would bet that everybody in rival schools looks back at that record and goes, yeah, like that was, we has a feeling about it, emotion. And I would wager that there's not a lot of people at Island Records who look at it beyond it being a catalog number and where are the streams at this month or whatever. And, and that's just not the way, um, people who love things look at things you know and, and people who create things look at things you know sometimes it matters yeah it, it does matter like how how's our record doing is it streaming are people listening do people care Did we sell shirts that stuff matters in this way but like if you're really proud of the music you made or there's people who listen to it and really connect with it that's such a different emotion than a catalog number right Yeah. especially to a major legal but i agree i think that rattle schools is a great example of this i think there's been many many more um, over the years and you know you fear them getting lost in the sands of time because it's like yeah like you know i I brought up that band failure um i remember getting into them and then all of a sudden they kind of had a minute and i'm like whoa what happened here and it was like oh uh the, the band paramore did a failure cover on this ep and i'm like what and it's not like it's not like failure was it some tiny band but it was it was sort of like well they weren't hardcore they were kind of post-hardcore kind of but sort of in this other little bucket and you know they they probably fit on a silver chair show more than they do on a um you know quicksand show or or probably just about the same but it's It's like, yeah, there's these great records, great music that gets lost in the the sands of time. I, I, you know, I I have friends who, this is a good way to put it. Most of the people I talk to who come from punk, hardcore, this broad, broader speaking world end up still feeling passionate about music of all types, you know, and you, you brought up Aerosmith kind of jokingly, but not jokingly. I'm in a group chat, one of two group chats I'm in, basically. I have a group chat for the podcast Axe to and then I have a group chat with two of my oldest friends. And in the chat with my oldest friends, it's like, we have a constant argument about Aerosmith versus the Rones, which is part joking, because the Rones are a really good band. But, like, we also like to goof, because, like, yo, Aerosmith's pretty good, man. They got some songs. And if you go back in the catalog, there's actually, like, legitimately good music, and then their their radio hits are fun um but we talk about it we listen to it and you know like we end up doing these things we're currently doing a let's listen to the suicidal tendencies records post 2000 game uh there's i think there's six albums so we're each doing two um just because we like music i think i think
0: tom said it on there i don't on extra i don't know if you need anything post lights camera revolution
2: no no uh we're learning that the hard way
0: but you Uh, keep doing it i
2: know (laughs) i love suicidal tendencies man what do you want me to do they have one record that came out in like 2015 the cover it's awesome um but uh
0: and freedom was later
2: it's everything post freedom
0: oh okay
2: yeah i think the uh, the record i have is free your soul and your mind too or something like that it's the one uh, yeah there's they're pretty it's rough like they have a lot of records um but i so to get to it i think there's space for people who love music and they'll go through things and really dig it out and like you know, I'm happy to sit here and talk to you about Soundgarden Super Unknown for an hour or two, like, or or two and a half or however long we're rapping right now. Um, and I think there's an appetite for that. I think people love music. But I also think that sort of that stuff gets lost in the sauce. Um, because of the way stuff's consumed, and I could go on a whole diatribe about it. But it's not that it's better or worse. It's just different. You know, you talked about kind of alluding to this like hey i I would go through records and then you'd end up with records you just love and it's like hey this is the record i listen to that's like this and you you kind of cycle through it right and i don't know i think there's certainly people who do that still but i think just as easily there's people who will listen to something once and move forward because you have everything at your fingertips
0: yeah and there seems to be certain bands like you know uh, well since then speaking with you like uh, and i feel this way because i feel like if i think about it I, a lot of times i'm like i feel like i'm a hardcore kid and sure. I, but i also feel like i'm too too old to say that you know i'm a You're like
2: 23 person. so i mean yeah. you know
0: and i've been straight edge for a long time yeah. but i'm at i'm the same as you is like it never needs to come up You know, it's like, I know that I am. I feel like if I went around saying, I actually was on tour and I stopped wearing my straight edge swatch. Yeah. It became a conversation. Yeah. You want to have a conversation. I just liked the watch and I wanted to be able to tell time without pulling my phone out. And like, Uh, you know, it's like, so, so, I mean, I went on a weird tangent there, but it's like, you know, it's like, uh, there's lots of things that I feel like we're, we're, punks branching out like if you think about like the book like our band could be your life these were punks these were hardcore kids and they just wanted to expand it and so but there, what i was first saying is like there seems to be like in hardcore and punk or whatever we're kind of using with the sure the broad world um there seems to be sanctioned bands like that you're kind of allowed to listen to and quicksand was one
2: yeah no they were they were
0: they were they're like a highly sanctioned they're basically viewed as a hardcore band and there's a lot of good there's a lot of good like arguments you can make to say yes they were just a hardcore band right you know, but it you know but it's like there are certain bands that sort of are allowed hardcore. Yeah, you know it's like title fight is just viewed as a hardcore band to a lot of people mm-hmm. you know and as is like angel dust you know
2: yeah no it's um they are so- not
0: <laughs> well sonically
2: and that's so this is the oh gosh man I
0: they're not they are it's
2: no they are they aren't it's 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 such a good so let me tie this in really but
0: rival school seems to be not just firmly not
2: which is so wild i think they should be firmly are um
0: so but we also need to break down the walls
2: yeah (laughs) break down the walls um yeah uh we must um Man, you just hit me with that, and I'm out. Um, no, to me, so sonically, this is always the question, right? The our our band, these bands could be our, your life, right? Our bands could be your life. One of the most fascinating things that happened to the first wave of U.S. hardcore bands is what they did when those bands broke up, and they started these new bands. And sonically, we're not minor threat, negative approach, um, siege. You know. Uh, they went on and did Fugazi. They went on and did Laughing Hyenas. They went on and did Dinosaur Junior. Husker Du is evolving their sound. And so what they do sonically is different. But they're still using the same format they're still booking their own shows they're still releasing their own records you know sst records follow that catalog along you know like that's a dude that's that's a group of people just releasing records by themselves discord same deal um and so the first wave of bands keeps the ethos and still playing the same venues or or booking their own tours and doing this and that and then what happens is there's a second wave who sonically cauterize and, and, and canonize and go, Hey, 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 hold on. Here's the back cover of schism fanzine. <clears throat> these are the, these are hardcore records, negative approach Seven evidence, the minor threat records, this void, duh, duh, effigies, you know, to the, the first two Necruz records, but not the third, the first couple SSD records, but not how we rock, you know, and so what when that happens, it sort of creates an odd divide. And um, if you can frame it right and talk to people, like like I don't think John Brannon really thought there was much difference between what he was doing in Negative Approach and what he moved on to do in Laughing Hyenas, other than like, yeah, we just got better and wrote better songs, you know? Um, I think if you talk to Ian Mackay, to him the Evens is a hardcore band. Yeah. Sonically, it's not. You know, and so so just to keep that all in line, there becomes this canonical sound, and like if you want to be traditionalist to it, you can. But to me, it's sort of I I think I went through this. It's like it's title fight a hardcore band. Well, they consider themselves a hardcore band, and they came from this world and brought in other influences to this world. And that can feel really different than a band who, you know, not to go uh, mall on here, but not of this world who's bringing the sonic elements of hardcore to their world, you know, or this kind of the other, like there's a, there's a long, like, this is the, this is the short version of my answer. Uh, But, but there's a, that like, the broadening of what something can be. And I'm the first to say, look, I don't know that we need to like, it's okay to listen to grunge. It's okay to listen to alt. It's okay to listen to pop punk. It's okay to listen to, to metal and new metal. And like, it doesn't have to have core attached to the end of it for us all to say like, yeah, I like it, you know, like, or this is good. Or, you know, to me, cro best wishes, that's a metal record it's just straight up a metal record. Like it's a, and it's funny because if you want to get really pedantic, it's like, it's almost traditional heavy metal that fits better six years prior to it than it does with what was going on in metal in 1987, 88, you know, like 87, 88 thrash metals, full blown and stuff's getting really fast. And best wishes is kind of this throwback that probably was taking more from motorhead and, um, oh geez there was a couple others like it probably sounds more like Motorhead or Orgasmatron than it does any thrash record yeah. um, so it's like we don't have things don't have to stay what they are it doesn't have to stay like this is a hardcore band this is a post-hardcore band this is you know a shoegaze man it's like things can evolve and that's all okay but it's sort of that stratifying i
0: think like once again injecting myself as a as my many lifetimes as being a musician like at times i feel like i'm like the forrest gump of like many scenes like it's like like there was time in my life where i was like into metalcore and like death metal and then like fast punk and then so it's like if you look at it it's like i'm here and there but the point being like when i when i was in like an alt country band like mm-hmm. we would cover like replacements and we were covering covering like lemon heads and like we saw like what a lot of them would do and there's like steel guitar and everything in it and we're like they're influenced by country-esque things like mm-hmm. my point I'm saying like it's like i never viewed myself as a traditionalist and like i, I guess using your phrase like yeah and it always felt like by that token, I could not fully exist in like one thing because I never right. saw music as like, I exist here. Like, it's no. like, I love death metal. Yeah. And I don't want to live there every fucking
2: day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to pull back, it's, uh, I do another podcast called it came from New Jersey with a really good friend of mine, Pete, who I've known since I was 16, he was 13. And I remember being, like I was a wizened 16 year old and I remember we were talking and he, he basically was at a point where he only listened to hardcore and I never just listened to hardcore. I was all the stuff I liked to before, such as Pearl jam, uh, grunge. Like I was into grunge before I was into hardcore, like, and then what I call soft grunge, which is like the like better than Ezra and gin blossoms of the world, you know, like that stuff I was into the alternative stuff. And just because I got into hardcore didn't mean I didn't like it. I I mean, you know, I I make joke about it, but like Blink-182 Dude Ranch came out and I was already getting into hardcore. And I still, I was like, hey, this is a cool record. I like it. Um, I I may have felt some pang of shame at a moment, but like I really, as an adult, I feel none. Um, And that's where like, we just spent all this time. We were throwing out genres and this and that. That's mostly so people can have placement. And like, hopefully like, Oh, I like stuff like that. Cool. Let me check it out. Like it's, it's, it's the, it's the fine line. I think you said that earlier. It's the fine line of codifying things to encourage someone to check it out versus it becoming so stratified that people are confused and not interested in checking something out, you know? Um, And I, I, subculture music walks that fine line quite often you know sometimes i see these like weird genre names that are like five precursors you know prefixes into uh you know a suffix and i'm like wait so it's like twee electro uh doom death thrashcore? core oh all right and my brain kind of checks out because i don't have it but maybe that's just what 100 gex is at this point you know
0: yeah yeah but i mean i i think like kind of bringing it back to end it with like rival schools i think that i think that that could have been like to their detriment to say it that way like it's like it's a lot of things and that's what i love about it you know it's like it, it does you know where he was coming from and you know he was going too um but it wasn't clearly one thing and i know how historically i feel like what people do with things like that
2: yeah yeah i i I think i agree exactly with you and let me let me frame it like this do you like oranges and citrus fruit yes do you like avocados
0: recently yes we'll say yes we'll keep it
2: yeah keep it moving uh do you (laughs) like soup yes uh could i interest you in some citrus avocado soup
0: uh i'm not uh, the avocado soup but uh, the citrus throws it
2: it's fantastic Oh, uh, well, so it's I'll a surf it cold fly. yo well and so i bring that up because i i would have had the same reaction if i never had it
0: you're telling me you want to go eat dinner now and i need to let you go
2: oh, i already ate dinner my <laughs>
0: friend remember i, I was not. making
2: dinner i mentioned this um no, uh, citrus avocado soup's fantastic. It's served cold. The uh, acid in the citrus breaks down the avocado a little bit. It's it's a really great thing. I'll send you the recipe. But that's what United by Fate is to me. The way you put it, it has lots of elements of things. And if you were to try to elevator pitch it and go, well, it's it's sort of poppy but mature and fast but like not but up tempo but not like pop punk um and it's post hardcore but in this kind of indie way somebody might scratch their head and go wait really and what i'm telling you is that it's delicious and it's um it's a perfect record i i wouldn't i wouldn't cut a song i wouldn't clip a lick um and the way it flows man like what's your favorite song on the record the switch the switch I think I think my favorite song is "Used for Glue," but "Undercovers On" and um, oh, what's the song right towards the end? Oh my God, I got to think of it. So,
0: "So Down On" kind of. So song. down on. Yeah. Song.
2: yeah. So yeah. down on and favorite star. Like, like I can go through this and my and like I talked about having this like deep emotional connection to "Travel by Telephone," and it didn't make my top four off this record. Um, it's a perfect record
0: yeah i mean i'd agree like there's a point after the switch because it's such a high point like i feel like i'm like well maybe i could go without holding sand in my echo but then when like favorite star hits and i wouldn't cut anything either i think that records around that time were traditionally too long yeah but that's a thing of its time that i'll just have to get over great do you know how
2: long this record is
0: i think it's like 43 minutes
2: it's 40 minutes and 41 seconds it's perfect yeah and that, that's not that's bad. long no and that's that's not a short record for for any of the various subgenres i ascribed it to you know that's a long record
0: yeah but that's like that's like where you should start being like reeling <laughs> in like i probably should have done with this episode but you know,
2: <laughs> yeah 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 you 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 give me the wrap it up sign whenever well i think i
0: th- well i think that that's probably a good point too so um nice. lovely chat with you um i I think this, the, the thing that I would definitely wrap it up. I've had so many wrap ups. It feels like return of the King. Um, but like mainly these, these are the type of conversations like I want to have on this series as it goes on. Um, and so I appreciate you taking the time, you know, to help me dig through that and find that as this will be an early episode.
2: Stoked. Thank you. Look forward to hearing more. And, uh, Whenever you need to rap about something, but then we'll go on 400 tangents. I'm
0: here. We'll talk about Pearl Jam 10 next. All in.
1: Are you vegan or do you simply enjoy good food delivered straight to your door? And you should probably check out Nourish. Nourish offers culturally diverse, gluten-free, organic vegan food for meal delivery and catering, all while enriching their community, employees, and our planet. If you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can find them at nourishcharlotte.com. If you're in the New York area, check out nourishdeliver.nyc. Nourish yourself. You deserve it.
0: Wow. All right. Welcome back. Here we go again. So it's the end of another episode. And guess what? We did it. All right. So, cannot stress this enough, please vote, please, 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 for the love of God, vote. Register to vote, bring a friend to vote, rent a car, rent a van, bring all your friends to vote. Uh, Just do it, national, local elections, it's super important. Come on, we can do this. All right, so also, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. But mainly to share this with a friend. We're a small business, so everything helps. Even calling a small business is quite a stretch. Just tell a friend. So next week, we'll have Sadie Dupuis. Uh, We'll be talking about the final album from Unwound, Leaves Turn Inside You. You may recognize Sadie from the band Speedy Ortiz and of Sad 13. Sad 13 just released a new record. We'll definitely talk about that more next week so check out you know unwound's final album once again leaves turn inside you and as we wrap up and as we always do thanks to sarah for editing and producing the pod and by this point you know the drill hit the theme